And now. And now. It's time for another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We talk hard-hitting sports and bone-crunching metal. Sports and Metal. Because sports and metal go better together. Now here's your host, Jason Voorhees. And Aaron Savage. Oh, yeah! Hey, I'm Kevin. Hey, I'm Johnny E. Tune into our radio show, Philly Rock Live. We play the classic hard rock and metal from the 70s and 80s we grew up on. We play the new music those same bands are making today. And we play new music from around the world. Not to mention the great bands from our own local scene. You will not hear a mix of music like this anywhere else. If it kicks ass, we, we play, play it. Philly Rock Live. Thursday, 7 and 9 p.m. Philly time. On phillyrockradio.com. Listen online with your mobile device or even your smart speaker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We are your hosts. This is Aaron Savage. With me, as always, my partner in crime right over there, Mr. Jason Voorhees. And we have a very exciting show for you tonight. But before we get started, I want to give a special shout out to our sponsors. First and foremost, longtime sponsor, La Terrain Watches. Make sure you visit their website, www.la-tourain.com. Use our promo code SNM. That's the letters SNM, as in sports and metal. Tell them sports and metal sent you, and you're going to save 10% off your purchase. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to our newest sponsor, BetUS. Um, make sure you visit their website. Use the link that I have below me right here, and you're going to get 125% bonus and free bets. Use our sports and metal link. So, a special shout out to BetUS. Check them out. Um, so let's get started without further ado. Um, I think the biggest thing in the news this week, as far as metal goes, is the Pantura, the Pantera reunion tour is underway. Um, they've played a couple shows in Mexico, uh, in case you've been living in a bubble. Um, it's Zach Wild on guitar, uh, Charlie Benante on the drums from Anthrax, and they're joining, uh, Pantera members, Philip Bonsalmo, uh, on the vocals and uh, Rex Brown on the bass guitar. Um, a lot of people, when this was first announced, were like, oh, how are you going to have a Pantera reunion without Vinny and Dime? But most people were like, wow, this is freaking awesome. And you know, everybody involved, as far as you know, Phil, Rex, and most importantly, Zach and Charlie, are all saying this isn't a Pantera reunion, per se, even though they are touring under the name Pantera. It's a tribute. And it's not just a one-off show. It's a tour. It's, so a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I can understand a one-off tribute show, but I don't know about a tour. But like I said, the guys involved in it are saying it's a tribute tour. And I couldn't be more excited, dude. And I've watched some of the video on uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Um, you know, Blabbermouth, Loudwire, all the sites posting YouTube videos of the shows down in Mexico. And they sound freaking awesome, Jay. Have you had a chance to check out any video I, of the Pantera shows? I, I did, and I, I really like not to not to piggyback off your point, but I, to me, I think it's ass nine that people are against this. Like to me, it, a yes, it's a tribute, and like, why wouldn't you want the music to live on? Like, I get it. Nobody's saying that we're replacing Dimebag. I mean, it's the same thing that we've talked about with Van Halen, like. 
you know, should Van Halen have a tribute? And I absolutely think they should. Like, 100%. nobody is going to replace Eddie Van Halen. We get that. Nobody will. Nobody, ever. But his son actually plays phenomenal and would be a great testament. And if there was anybody that would be able to have a tribute, it would be him included. So I don't get why people are against these things. Like, to me, it's like, I want to hear this stuff. And if it sounds great, who cares? I mean, to me, at the end of the day, yes, you'll never replace Dimebag Daryl. You'll never replace Vinny. They're, but they passed away, unfortunately. I mean, it's sad, but people do pass away. I mean, people get sick. I mean, how many musicians have we lost in the last year? Just alone in the last year. It's insane the amount of numbers of, of people we're losing every single year. But what are we supposed to say? Oh, just stop playing the music? We don't want to hear it anymore? I think it's ass not. I'm sorry to get frustrated, but I see people saying it, and it's like, who cares? Like, nobody's saying it, it, it's dime bag. We get that. But Zach Wilde actually is a great guitarist in, on his own. And he's the next best thing. He, he was best friends with Dime. Who better than to pay tribute to Dime than Zach? It's a perfect fit. It's a perfect fit. And and again, just because people pass away, does that mean the world should be deprived of the great music they gave us while they were here? That bothers me. I just think the metal community, I've talked about it before on this podcast. I think the metal community is probably the most divisive community within itself of any genre of music. You know what I mean? And what other genre of music does everyone have such a strong opinion? You know, everybody attacks other bands. We're one big community, man. Seriously, this isn't like the 80s where metal was at the forefront of popularity. You know, you had your thrash scene and they hated the glam guys and the glam guys hated the thrash guys and the hardcore guys hated the punk guys and the punk guys hated the hard. It, you know, you could get away with it back then, but metal's kind of been pushed back to the underground overall. Back then you had underground metal scenes like your hardcore scenes, you know, your death metal scenes and you had your mainstream metal scenes. There's really no mainstream at this point for metal. So why are we all fighting with each other? Let's just fucking enjoy the music that was given to us and the music that we'll get in the future from whoever's here to give it to us. And the bottom line is, I want to see a Pantera tour. I want to see a Pantera show. My, my biggest criticism would be that Phil doesn't sound as good as he used to. Not that I care that, you know, there's Charlie and Zach touring with him. I, my bigger complaint would be I want to hear Phil sound great like he used to on Cowboys from Hell. And... <laughs> and, and to that point, he doesn't sound terrible. Like he actually thing, sounds better than I've heard in a long time. And this is where it's like, dude, I see, like, I love Charlie Bonante. I, I've been a huge fan. I mean, obviously, I'm an anthrax guy. You know, they're my they're my genre. I, I'm a thrash guy. I have not seen Charlie Bonante this excited and happy. He looks almost like revive, and I'm not saying he hasn't had fun in anthrax, but he almost looks like the Charlie Benante that I used to watch in the eighties on those videos when anthrax would be like playing antisocial and you'd see freaking Charlie Benante going insane. Well, he, he definitely looks like he's enjoying the hell. He out just, of it. He, it's he, an honor he's for him. posting. He's posting everywhere on, on Facebook, on Instagram, even on Twitter. Like he's all over the place. And like, I like that excitement to me. It's exciting. We don't have a lot to be excited about. And as you said, in the metal community, it's like, we're always like, it seems like we're always fighting and arguing. It's like, dude, let's just have fun. I mean, I, I, I went to that show, you know, a couple weeks back, the, the Wasp Armored Saint show, and it's phenomenal. I'm just yep. loving these old school, you know, metal guys 
you know, coming back. To me, it's like a comeback and a revival. And I'm not saying it's going to help metal, but for a guy like me you're and you, I mean, we're the same age. It, to me, it's exciting. I want to oh, see. it's the, awesome. Uh, there's not much to get excited about in the new metal bands. There's really not. Like, I haven't had a new metal band smack me in the ass or smack me in the head in forever. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely anything you can get excited about is a good thing. And to, and to the point... We're all like it's the metal community is so divisive, obviously. So, but but beyond that, it's like the world is such a shitty place sometimes. Why not enjoy the escape of seeing a band that you loved? Why complain that somebody's replacing a guy who's not even here to play? Like it's not like Vinny and Diamond can come back to life and do a Pantera tour. So enjoy the fact that there are some people here that will do it, can do it, love the original players, are paying tribute to them, not not saying that they're replacing them and we get to see this tour that we would never have thought we'd be able to see i think it's so fucking awesome it's so great and like and phil does sound better than i've heard him sound in quite a long time dude he really does and i'm super excited to hopefully see the show we were talking about getting tickets to see metallic at metlife stadium in jersey and pantera is going to be opening the friday show and i i really would look forward to seeing that um what do we got a commenter here Hey guys, they are they are an amazing group. He's happy with life. Absolutely, I think we're talking about Charlie here being happy with life. But yeah, yeah, Pantera's freaking awesome. You know, I'm you know, thank you for the comment. But dude, I'm super stoked. I couldn't be more excited about the reunion. And you know, while we're talking about Pantera, Jay, I did you know because we were going to talk about this. I did a poll on Twitter. Oh, what is your favorite Pantera album featuring Philip Anselmo on vocals? was the poll I ran. You know what? I haven't checked to see what the final verdict on that was. So let's check right now what we had here for this. Hold on, Jay. While I'm looking here, what, what is your favorite Pantera album, with or without Phil, for that matter? What is your favorite Pantera album? So for me, the apex for, for, for Pantera, for me personally, is the Cowboys from Hell album. I know that Vulgar Display of Power is probably the one that's going to win the, the poll. Uh, I think Vulgar Display of Power is probably the album that realistically, it was their signature album, so to speak. But I still love the, I don't want to say old school, but the old school metal elements that you see in Cowboys. I think Vulgar Display of Power was more so of a, like, a more... You think it was more, I'm going to think you're going to say more representative. I was trying of to think were. of a word, a more modern, you know, play of, of what they were getting at in their music. Like where they ended up as far as being that like, because I really didn't think Pantera ever piggy pigeonholed themselves into a certain era. Like they almost made their own. Well, yeah, they definitely lived. Well, that's why their, their fourth album with Phil was called the Great Southern Trend Kill. You know, Pantera existed outside of trends. Pantera like did what they wanted to do and constantly got heavier, right? So I mean, yeah, there I, it is. It's all in the so, name. <laughs> so I, I mean, and but like I guess for me, the reason I still love Cowboys from Hell is because I still see the 80s style music that they had in their previous, you know, oh, era. Just, just, just were... to clarify, what was your favorite album with Phil? Was it Cowboys or Cowboys? Vulgar? 
Cowboys. I, 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 I apologize. I thought you said vulgar. I, I'm no, I said Cowboys, but I okay. said I think vulgar is probably going to win the poll. I, I, you know, I was looking up the poll results when you were saying it. I, I kind of got distracted. Well, let's look at the poll results here. Um, Cowboys from Hell, actually. So the question was, what's your favorite Pantera album with Philip Anselmo on vocals? Um, I had Cowboys from Hell, Far Beyond Driven, and A Vulgar Display of Power as the three choices. I had the fourth choice of Other, um, because obviously we have all the stuff pre-filled, which wouldn't have been included in this poll. But we have the other Phil albums, Power Metal, which was the first album with Phil. And then we had Reinventing the Steel and Great Southern Trend Kill. But Cowboys Far Beyond Driven and Driven and Vulgar Display of Power are typically recognized as the most popular Phil albums. Cowboys won the poll with 57% of the vote. So there you go, Jay. I was actually shocked at that. I really I mean, I'm with you. I thought Vulgar was going to win the poll. Vulgar came in second with 26%. Far Beyond Driven came in third with 17%. Nobody voted other, which I found shocking too. I'm surprised not one vote. For reinventing the steel or Great Southern Trend Kill or Power Metal, which was the first album with Phil. I, 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 my favorite of these choices, Cowboys, Far Beyond Driver, Driven, and Vulgar, I might go Vulgar. Um, I love Cowboys from Hell, but I, Vulgar, like I think, was again more representative of the band that they would become, but it was before they got as extreme. It was kind of like a balance between what they were prior and what they were going to be after. It was like the perfect storm, that Pantera record. Mouth for War kicks ass. They still had some ballads on there, like Hollow I, and This Love, which is so freaking heavy. I was just going to say, so while Cowboys from Hell is my favorite album, my favorite track of all time is Hollow. And, and I, I love Cemetery track. Gates. I, I love This Love. I but love this Hollow song. to me is like, I just... Knowing what that song was about, like that he wrote it about, like seeing his friend dead, like mm -hmm. that to me just almost like it, it's chilling knowing how Dime you know ends up dying. And I just not only is it chilling just hearing that song, it's very haunting. It has like a my god, it's just and you're right, this love is, is you know, this love to me is just so powerful. You know, the mellow verses, but so filled with angst. And then just that power. You take this love, first love, score. Pretty oh, my God. I mean, what a breakup fucking song, man. Oh, my God. What a song. But but that being said, I go back to I was shocked nobody picked any, any other record. I love the Power Metal album, which was the first album with Phil. Unfortunately, it never received a major label release. It's, you know, hard to get. You're not going to be able to stream it on Amazon or anything. You've got to find a hard copy. Um, but it was like, dude, it was the best Judas Priest album that Judas Priest never made. That was the first album that featured Philip Anselmo on vocals. Now, if you know the history of Pantera, they had a number of albums. I Am The Night, Metal Magic. Previous to Phil joining the band, Pantera's albums date back to 1984 when Dime was like 16 years old. Terry Glaze was their original vocalist. Um, if you haven't checked out early Pantera, I highly recommend it. It's definitely more on the glam edge. Yeah, I hear a lot of Def Leppard influence in the early Pantera with Terry Glaze, but you already heard the greatness of Dime on those early records. And he had that real Van Halen influence. Um, awesome stuff. But the first album with Phil, Power Metal, was like still had a little bit of that glam to it, but heavy. It was it was like Power Metal is the transitional record of all transitional records as far as Pantera goes. It was like the bridge because it was like not a glam record, but not a groove metal record. It was a, shame, a Judas Priest record. It was literally a Judas Priest record. 
it, it's a shame that they can't release it now as as like a you know as a release. like on a major label remaster yeah. it and put it out on a major label because you're but, right you know, i agree with diamond you diamond vinnie never wanted to do it and i know phil wouldn't do it phil if even if diamond vinnie signed off on it phil wouldn't do it i don't know how much you know pull phil would have um I think Diamond Vinny's estates probably have more pull, but Phil wouldn't do it because Phil tries to deny and bury all of his previous vocal prowess. You're never going to hear Phil hit a falsetto vocal again. Not that he's even capable of doing it from all the screaming over the years. He's definitely blown his voice out and all you know, the drugs and smoking. But I mean, dude, you listen to power metal and even the Cowboys from hell, Philip Ansamo had, his, had a, a voice like Rob Halford. You know, one of my favorite songs is a track that was later released as a bonus track on Cowboys from Hell, The Will to Survive. It's It has a sped up part of this Love's riff in it. Whatever. Um, but the, Phil's vocal is insane. It is insane. And it's like, the reason they didn't include that song on Cowboys was because it was kind of like the one of the first tracks they wrote in the Cowboys from Hell sessions. So obviously they had been out touring power metal and they started working on the Cowboys stuff. And, you know, it was definitely a song that more harkened back to the power metal sound, even though it was a much better song than anything that was on power metal. So they decided to keep it off the record. Vulgar Display of Power is my favorite Pantera album. We have a commenter here. Excellent choice. Honorable mention to the great Southern Trend Kill. Well, there you go. But, yeah, power metal, um, the will to survive was kind of like a transitional track between power metal and cowboys. So they, they left it off Cowboys, but it was later released as a bonus track. And if you check it out, it's awesome. But you still had some of that high vocal stuff on Cowboys, like Shattered, um, Cemetery Gates. To me, on the chorus, he has like a real Bruce Dickinson sound. But then at the end, he hits those Rob Halford notes. Yes! When uh, Dime's hitting those harmonics on the guitar. But you, you're never going to see power metal released on a major label because Pantera's just buried it. You know, which is a shame. I mean, I know they definitely would never release the Terry Glaze stuff. Absolutely not. Hell no. But I wish they'd at least consider releasing Power Metal, their, their estates, on a major label. Because it would be a real collectible. Everybody would love that. Um, just checking out some commenters here. But, yeah. I I'll mean, so the poll voted Cowboys. What were you saying, Jay? No, I, I think Kyle, you know, Kyle mentions honorable mention to Great Southern Tranco. I think that's an album that slept on. I actually, the more I've listened to it. You know, there's some phenomenal stuff on that on that album. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I like reinventing the steel a lot more than Trend Kill. Trend Kill is definitely my least favorite Phil record. I, I like it, but it's no, it's my least shocker. favorite Phil like, record. I, no, but I think I, I like reinventing the steel, which actually didn't get the credit. You know, but what were you saying, Jay? I apologize. The funny thing is, the Great Southern Trend Kill was actually the first Pantera. It was the first full album that I listened to. I was actually on a hunting trip in South Carolina. This was like 20 years ago. I'm shocked and that like, that's the album that opened the doors to Pantera for you. A, a hick was dry. Like they call him guides. He was the guy he was showing me where to go, like for my, mm -hmm. for my hunting trip. And he was jamming great Southern tranquil. And actually he was jamming the song, great Southern tranquil. And I was like, dude, who the hell is that? And he was like Pantera. And that was like, that was like, for me, my, my, Initiation. I'm shocked that that's the album that you first heard Pantera. I could have, I would have, I mean, Pantera was already. I know, but you don't forget, that, that's how don't you forget that my musical, don't forget, I was kind of a late bloomer into yeah. kind of going to different genres. Remember, I was basically all I listened to was thrash. 
Yeah. You know, at that well, point. I will say this. We haven't talked about Far Beyond Driven. Uh, one of my favorite Pantera songs is Five Minutes Alone. Unfreaking real. And I love I'm Broken. I love the video for I'm Broken where they're all just standing in a circle. Um, we got a commenter, Kyle, here again. My two oh. favorite Pantera songs are Walk and Floods. Everybody walk, loves dude. the guitar solo for Floods. So, so I mean, it, I, I, the guitar solo for Floods has been voted in a lot of publications as one of the greatest guitar solos of all time. But anyway, um, while we're kind of on a Pantera kick and we're kind of talking about vulgar display of power, there's been a vulgar display of power by a few major league franchises this past week. And more than ever, it just seems like there's a big discrepancy between the haves and the have nots in major league baseball. And there's no question that there's been a real vulgar display of power by some of the big market teams as far as spending goes. None more than the New York Mets, who I'm a Mets fan, but their payroll is obscene, Jay. They, they, when they came out with the new luxury tax, the, the, the third tier, whatever that is, I think it's $298 million. Is the, they call it the Steve Cohen tax. If you don't know, Steve Cohen is the Mets owner. They call it the Steve Cohen tax because he's so filthy rich. That they all the other owners were scared that he was just going to spend crazily and bury everybody else. So they created what they call the Steve Cohen tax at that number. So basically, anything over that number, you're paying 90 cents on the dollar in the luxury tax. So I think the Mets payroll projects right now at 330 million dollars. So he's 32 million dollars over that threshold, which means for 32 million dollars of the Mets payroll, he's paying 90 cents on the dollar in the luxury tax. So for $330 million payroll, it's basically like a $362 million payroll, whatever it is. Dude, it's insane. But the Mets aren't the only ones. The Phillies, my goodness, you signed Bryce Harper. You know, you brought in Zach Wheeler. Now you signed Trey Turner. The Padres, where are the Padres getting all this freaking money? You got a 10-year deal to Tatis. You got a 10-year deal to Manny Machado. Now you just signed um, Xander Bogarts. You got well, you traded for Juan Soto. These where the Dodgers, the Dodgers have signed everybody in the world. And meanwhile, you hear it's kind of a sad state when you have free agency and you don't hear word one about the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Minnesota Twins, yada 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 yada. Dude, you have like five to ten teams, and when I say ten, I'm probably going high end that are literally just like the only players in town for these big money guys. And while we're at it, while we're talking about vulgar displays, the money that these players are getting is obscene. It's disgusting. It's vulgar. Dude, you got middle relievers making $15 million a year. I love Brandon Nimmo, but the Mets just signed Brandon Nimmo for an eight-year contract, $162 million. $20 million a year for a guy that only had – 550 at bats once in his career. Never, never had 500 at bats before this past year. Not once. At Twenty million dollars. And now that we're talking about all the money getting thrown around, let's talk about analytics for a minute. Because I just pointed out that Brandon Nimmo has one year with 500 plus at bats, but yet all you do online is read how his WAR is almost the same as Bryce Harper's. I don't know one person that watches baseball that's going to tell me Brandon Nimmo is as good as Bryce Harper. But if you're going by war, he is. Ah, I can go in. That's a whole different conversation. But the money's obscene. It's absurd, Jay. Trey Turner, $11 million, 
$330 million 11 years. And they just gave Bryce Harper $300 million. Everybody's got $300 million now. What are we doing, Jay? Jeez, Aaron's ready to have a stroke on it's live crazy. TV. The money um, getting thrown around is crazy. Oh, well, it, it is absolutely mind-boggling. But I, 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 I mean, you're talking about the iceberg. There, you're talking about the teams that are spending. But to me, it's absolutely disgusting that these small market teams are allowed to not spend. I think there should be a oh, rule. Something I, well, let Honestly, me make a great point. I'm going to let you go, but let me say one thing while I'm thinking of it. You make a sick point, an excellent point. What We're talking about the Steve Cohn tax. So if Steve Cohn is paying 90 cents on the dollar when he's over that tax threshold, see, this is the difference. Like, I was always a Yankee hater for their payroll, but the difference when the Yankees were doing it, they would have a $200 million payroll when the next highest payroll was like $100 million. Now you have a, a number of teams that are having like ridiculous payrolls, the Mets, the Phillies, the Dodgers, a number of teams, not just the Mets. But when but the Mets are the highest right now, but they're paying a tax that's never existed before. So if they're willing to spend it, more power to them because they're getting taxed on it. So where's all this tax money going? These teams need to spend this money. This tax money gets put into a pool for smaller market teams to spend, at least to my knowledge it does. I have to go back and look at how it all works, but this obviously is tax money that gets pooled in Major League Baseball. And this is why I think there's such a disparity in in the haves and have-nots. And and it to me, if you don't fix that and you don't make a, a minimum threshold that teams have to spend, they're going to continue not spending it, these small market teams, because why would they? They're not getting penalized. So if you're going to penalize the Mets – and the Phillies and whoever else goes over, then why not? Why can't you penalize the other teams if they don't spend more? Because that's what's bullshit. 100%. It's almost like these owners on those teams are just saying they're just packing their bags. They're not even going to the winter meetings. They're just down there golfing it, you know. It seems like it. You would think, or, yeah. You know, maybe they're in Costa Rica selling <laughs> drugs. I don't know what they're doing. But, like, honestly, like, to me, that's that's where I look at it as a, as a fan and I say – it's kind of disgraceful because, yes, while I'm happy, I'm a Phillies fan and you're a Mets fan. So while we're reaping the benefits of that, I still look at the whole product as a whole. And it, it's really – it's going backwards. And and I think we've already talked about it. We've had numerous shows where we, we've went on these rants about, you know, the state of pitching and, and all the analytics and all the bullshit rule changes and all that, yada, yada, yada. But, like – what about the product that's on the field besides these few select teams that are spending all the money to have that talent? Because yes. sooner or later, you're not you're gonna have like you're not gonna have those like Miami Marlin type teams because sooner or later, these teams that are continuing spending, 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 eventually talent wins out. I mean, oh yeah, hundred percent. Once in a blue moon, oh, you'll have well, your Cinderella team. That's exactly, it. Exactly, but you're never going to see that anymore because now well, you're case well, in point. When's the last time the Reds competed or the Pirates? You have teams that have just been better, and the Reds are the oldest franchise in Major League Baseball. They're a great historic franchise. They were a dynasty in the '70s. It's a shame that you don't even think of the Reds as a team that's going to compete. You you make a great point. Like, dude, the Miami Marlins are not the norm. They're an outlier. They won those two World Series out of nowhere and then completely dismantled those teams and went back into oblivion. But you have teams, and the Rays are kind of an outlier. Somehow the Rays, I don't know how they do it. They do it with mirrors. They compete every year. But for the most part, these teams that have no payroll, 
they never compete. You have the same teams at the top of the divisions year after year. The Cardinals. Every year, you could just write them in to win the division in the NL Central. Or at least be a wild card. The Cardinals are a perennial playoff team. The NL East, the Braves have really dominated over the last two decades. But that's more of a, a credit to when they, in the 90s, having the pitching that they had and the way they drafted. But it's definitely, it's not, you can't compare the NL East to some of these other divisions because you have big market teams in these Eastern divisions, right? In the AL East, you have the Yankees, the Red Sox, you know, Mets, Phillies, and the NL East, you know, the Braves. These teams spend money. But when you have these Midwestern divisions, the Twins, like in the NL Central, AL Central, these are teams that play in markets that don't bring in the revenue of the bigger markets, but, and they're not taking advantage of the revenue sharing. And they're just not spending money. And here's where they're up. Here's where else. Here's wherein lies the other issue with it. In the NFL, if a team sucks for a few years, they keep getting high draft picks. Those draft picks turn out great very quickly. In baseball, draft picks sometimes take years. Yes, 100%. Years to, to kind of get to where they're at their prime. It's not like football and hockey and basketball where you could just turn around your franchise in a year or two. Great high draft picks in baseball. I mean, let's face it: the Orioles they've had top draft picks for years, and they still suck every single year. Yeah, because it, well, you, make, you make the greatest point because in the NFL, NBA guys just get drafted and they're right into the big time, right? Well, baseball yeah, different. You have like high school kids getting drafted to play professional ball. They're getting paid. They're professionals. But they're playing at low A ball. They, they take it could take them like you said six, seven, eight years to develop and make it to the major leagues. It's apples and oranges. It's apples and oranges. But on that note, I was actually thinking of something. Maybe one way to motivate these smaller market teams to spend the money is to take away their draft picks as punishment. Well, right? If you're going to tax the big market teams, when the small market teams don't spend the money, take a draft pick. I, I don't know. I don't know. We can go on about this all freaking day but i'm gonna choose not to let's talk a little bit of nfl jay i know last week we were in a big thing about who's the nfl mvp i just want to throw this out there bro i was saying how mahomes is going to win it i thought at the time last week if you were to make the vote that day i thought Tua was the mvp and we were talking about hertz versus Tua. well dude all credit to hertz after the performance last week and Tua having a bad game regardless of what mahomes does i think jalen hurts is the nfl mvp and it's his to lose meaning if he just continues to do what he's doing, he should just win the award. That's hands down done. The only way Jalen Hurts loses the MVP is if he spits the bit. It's his to lose. It's his to lose. I just wanted to throw it out there, dude. And did you happen to see the Rams last night? What did you think of the Baker Mayfield comeback? <laughs> I mean, first and foremost, I, I mean, kudos to Baker Mayfield. But, like, I think it's more disgraceful to, to the Raiders. Because how do you let that happen? First of all, the Raiders came into this year as one of those teams that you looked at what they got. They, they traded for Devontae Adams. They spent money on their defense. They had some good draft picks. Like, they were a team, and they got a new coach, McDaniel. You you thought that they were an uprising team, right? Dude, the Raiders have sucked. Oh. Talk about a team spitting the bit. Yeah, the Raiders crazy. are the epitome of that. And I thought that to let, the Ra- to let Makefield – Come in and do that after basically getting there on Wednesday. Yeah, he had two days of practice. To learn I to mean, play that to me is unacceptable. <laughs> How do you let that happen? A as a coach, and B as the defense. But yes, it was a great comeback. I mean, but to me, I to your point with Hertz. I, I mean, I, I and I'm not being a homer. 
I think you're right. I think it is Hurts is to win, but I do. No, it's Hurts is to lose. I mean, it's Hurts is to lose, but I do yeah. think that Mahomes is still. It's Mahomes, and 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 I know that you talked about that. Like sometimes that. Well, yeah, he's he's going to win it because he's Pat Mahomes. And again, it's not like because it's not like he doesn't have MVP numbers. But right now, there are other guys that to me have bigger numbers. And Jalen Hurts is at the forefront right now. Again, just like I said last week, it could change. Next week, it could change. But I just wanted to get into it slightly because we did talk about that last week. It's just like power rankings, like which I know you kind of got in a little bit of not a tip. Yeah, I was in a little Twitter war with a little somebody. bit little Twitter disagreements <laughs> on it, but like, that's the thing with power rankings. They change week to week. Exactly. But I, when I do my power rankings, you have to look at all those facts. You can't just look at a record because a team could be 10 and 0 and have 10 one point win. And yes, a win is a win. But if that 10 and one team lost to the Dolphins who were nine and one, and that loss was to the Dolphins, I'm just using it as an example. You're just making it up. Yeah, I got you. Then, to me, the Dolphins should still be in that conversation for being the top team. But, unfortunately, yeah. when people do power rankings, sometimes I think it's very, like, very narrow-minded. Like, Oh, it looks like Jay froze up. Anyway, I, I don't know where Jay went. But, dude, I, I, get his, I get what he was saying. But more, my main point here was that Jalen Hurts – you know, it's his award to lose. He's the MVP as far as I'm concerned. Um, let's let's flip the script a little bit. We'll wait for Jay to get back here. Um, why don't we get into the picks of the week? Let's do it. Hopefully we get Jay back here. So um, I don't know what Jay's pick of the week was going to be, but we were talking about the new Godsmack that just, you know, they released a couple singles over the last week or so. Um. They have it, and they because they have a new album that's going to be coming out soon. The, the name of the album is called Lighting Up the Sky. Uh, it's not out yet, it's going to be released on February 24th, 2023. Yep, we officially lost Jason, <laughs> but it's going to be coming out on February 24th, 2023. I don't know what Jason's pick of the week was going to be. I think it was going to be this Godsmack because he had been sending me the songs. I love the songs. I don't want to steal Jay's thunder here, but uh, the new, the newest one that I think they just released today is called You and I. Dude, the riff is like Black Sabbath. It's an amazing, amazing riff. Um, the other track they released, I think, a week ago is called Surrender. And I don't know if you're aware, but Godsmack has said that this is going to be their last album. Um, Sully Arna has said that in multiple interviews. Um, you know, his thinking is that, you know, the fans at this point, they want to go to a show and see the hits. You know, Godsmack has made, you know, what, seven records now. They're going to be a touring band. He's not saying the band's going to break up. He just kind of thinks that there's really nothing more to say on records. He's up. Oh, he's back. What was your pick of the week, Jay? Because I kind of like thought what I, I said, what I thought it was going to be. What was your pick of the week? So my pick of the week is actually uh, the two new tracks from uh, Godsmack. Oh, see, I thought it was going to be that. So I kind of went into it. Yeah, so Godsmack has a brand new album coming out. It's actually due out in February called Lighting Up the Sky. Apparently, according to Sully, who, for those of you who don't know, is the lead vocalist, uh, this will be Godsmack's last full-length studio album. They will only be a touring band from now on, which I think you and I talked about that earlier. It's kind of crap, but... 
that's neither here nor there. We can get in that discussion after the fact. I, well, I, I'm not trying to criticize and say it's just crap. I just am disappointed, personally. I'd, I'd rather see them keep making records. You know, I, I, I just the records that they're putting out are still as good as anything they've ever done. So why not keep putting them out? It's not like Motley Crue. Motley Crue, all of the music to me that they've released in the last decade or more has just not been that good. So I could do without a Motley Crue record. And I could still go see him in, in concert and love hearing all the old hits, although Vince doesn't sound any good anymore. I'm saying in hypothetical terms. But Godsmack, the records they're putting out are awesome. I mean, honestly, the freaking two new tracks that I've heard are phenomenal. Like, I would put them in the top – I'm not saying top five. but Well, the one track four. I would. The one track they, I would, you and I. I love it. I mean, you and I – so you and I, when I first – Put it on, and it's funny because I had the same thought, but I just didn't say it to you. You said it to me, but it's definitely a Black Sabbath vibe right off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, That's a Tony Exactly. Yep. It's it, it's like it's definitely laden with that Sabbath type tune. And I've always saw, I've always thought that Godsmack had a Black Sabbath type. You know, oh, that, absolutely. Some of that definitely doom, have a heavy Black Sabbath. You know, metal type, you know, aura to them. Um, the other track is called Surrender. And to me, it's it's very heartfelt. If you re- listen to the lyrics, I don't know what he's trying to get at, but it's definitely something that I, I'm assuming. I mean, I'd have to read it, but you know how you always hear a song and you think, oh, that's definitely heartfelt lyrics. I don't know if it's from him or whoever wrote the song. I'm sure you know, maybe he's the main songwriter, but. Um, it's definitely got that heartfelt lyrics and it's got, it's definitely one of Godsmack's, it's got a signature sound. So I, I love both tracks. I'm looking forward to the album. That's my pick of the week. That's a great pick of the week, dude. It really is. And, and I just want to like continue to point I made, dude, I, Godsmack's never been like one of my favorite bands, but they're a band that I dig. I have no problem with Godsmack. And I really do believe they're very consistent. The records they put out are all good records. Um, we got a friend of the show, Beard to Knowledge, checking in. Uh, Phil Stifle, if you haven't checked out his podcast, check it out. He's on DSM Media, trending in the AM. Thank you for checking in, Phil. Um, but Godsmack's been very consistent with the material they put out. It, it sounds like Godsmack. You know, they do what they do. But, you know, one of the things I was reading, you know, when we were talking about how Godsmack's never going to tour, I'm never going to put a record out. They're going to just be a touring band. One of the things that Sully said in the interview that I read was that he has never said when Godsmack's been putting a new record out, that he thinks that the record they're putting out is the best one they've ever done. He's never said that. But on this one, he said it. He thinks this is the best record Godsmack has ever done. And then from the two tracks I've heard, whether or not I think it's going to be the best record or not isn't really important, but I do think it's going to be an awesome record. And the track You and I is awesome. Um, but that being said, I'm going to throw this out there, dude. It's hard. These guys are older than you think. Dude, their guitar player is like 60 years old. <laughs> 59 years old you would never think that the guys in godsmack are that old dude sully's like 55 56 years old um let me see how to- tony rombola yeah he's 15 they were probably they were probably around before they were godsmack. like 30 years old when they hit in like 98 you know they've been saying they the probably had other projects that you never really knew because well, they were an up-and-coming band in boston and then they they made it you know but I'm just saying, they're not young guys, as you would think. I mean, think about it. In 10 years, they're going to be almost 70. You wouldn't I think, think of you, that when you think of Godsmack. No, but I so. think you just you use the perfect word to describe them. Consistent. And, and that's it. what I love about them because 
you're right. There's too many bands out there that aren't consistent, even like Megadeth. And I'm a diehard Megadeth fan, but they're not consistent. Like, I like consistency because to me, at least if you have consistency, you know that the product is going to be above average. Oh, yo, every time, yeah, every yeah. single album is going to be good. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I was like, the point I was kind of making was kind of going along with why they might say they're not going to make records anymore. They're not, you know, spring chickens. That's all. But I would well, like, no, I, I like get that. And I, I, I'd like them to see him making records. I didn't realize you know? they were that old. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I did, but like I would, I knew they were like mid fifties. You know, obviously, it's not much different between fifty four, fifty five, and fifty eight, fifty nine. But it just when you're that close to sixty, something about it just seems older. You know what I mean? But Maybe that being said, you and I are. Getting closer to fifty. Don't don't announce our age on the show. There's no reason to do that. Come on. <laughs> anyway, that being said, my pick of the week because I thought what you were going to do was the Godsmack stuff coming out. So I went back and you know revisited Godsmack a little bit. And dude, an album that I really always have enjoyed listening to. Let me start by saying again, Godsmack was never one of my favorite bands, but they're a band that I dig, right? But I will say this: they're one of the best live bands I've ever seen. Godsmack puts on a show. They sound thick when you see them live. They have a thick sound, great stage presence, and they bring it. They have energy. They rock. I'm telling you, they're awesome. They get the crowd involved. So my pick of the week is the Godsmack live album. The only live album to my knowledge they've ever done, live and inspired, uh, came out back in 2012. It's a two-disc set. The first set is a, is a concert. It's a, you know, It's got all the hits you'd expect to hear, straight out of line, awake, uh, keep away, whatever, I stand alone. But what makes it great, besides hearing the live stuff, is the is the second disc, which is the inspired side. So the first disc is live, and then the second disc is inspired, which is covers tunes that inspired them. And some of the covers that they chose would might shock you a little bit, um, because it's not like real heavy stuff. They did Come Together by the Beatles, which is awesome. They did Rocky Mountain Way by Joe Walsh, which is awesome. But my two favorite covers that they did, are the Nothing Else Matters cover, which is a haunting piano version with really just the piano, some background keyboards, and Sully doing the vocal. Um, and my ultimate favorite on here, Time, the Pink Floyd cover from Dark Side of the Moon. Dude, they do an awesome cover of Pink Floyd's Time. So if you haven't ever listened to Live and Inspired by Godsmack, check it out because you, you can get a kind of an idea of what they're like live, and you can hear some really cool covers that they did a nice job with that you really wouldn't expect Godsmack to do. Um, so that, that's my pick of the week, dude. I'm going to so, check it out after the show, dude. You got me, you got yeah, me. If you've never inspired. listened to it, definitely, definitely check it out. Yeah. You're inspired. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, brother, it's been a great show. Uh, we want to thank everybody out there for checking us out this week. We hope you enjoyed the show as always. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram at sports and metal. You can follow us on TikTok at real sports and metal. Make sure you visit our website www.sportsandmetal.com. There you can get your fix on all things sports and metal. Uh, again, that's www.sportsandmetal.com. You can find old episodes of this podcast and our sister podcast and the gavel will rock. You can also check out our blog. We actually released a new blog post this past week. We ranked the top 10 Wasp albums from worst to first. You definitely want to check it out. You might be surprised with the pick we put number one. I don't want to say too much. What's that, not Jay? To interject, not to interject, but to, to, to kind of keep on that theme. 
we will be dropping our top albums of the year. That will be coming very soon. Yes, we will be dropping. Jay and I are each going to pick our top five hard rock and heavy metal albums from 2022. So it's going to be 10 total records, five from Jay, five from me. Will we have the same pick? Possibly. We don't know. But you're definitely going to want to check that blog out. That's going to be coming out soon. So again, go to www.sportsandmetal.com. Before we let you go, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors once again. Make sure you visit La Terrain Watches. These are handcrafted watches at an excellent price point. And there's no better time than now to check out their website and buy a watch because it's Christmas, it's Hanukkah. It's time to check out this website and buy a family member or a loved one a beautiful watch or maybe treat yourself. I'm telling you, you're not going to regret it. Go to LaTerrain.com. That's L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com. Use our promo code SNM. That's the letters SNM, as in sports and metal. You're going to save 10% off your purchase. Tell them sports and metal sent you. And before we go, we also want to thank BetUS. Use our promo code. You can check out the link below me right there. Um, it's 125% bonus on your first bet. Um, check them out. Sports and metal is going to send you there. BetUS.com. And, you know, that's another show, Jay. It's a wrap. Um, hope everybody out there enjoyed it. Make sure you check us out on social media. Again, visit our website. Shoot us comments. You can DM us on Twitter. Anything you'd like us to talk about on the show, sports or metal related, we want to hear your thoughts. Anything you'd like us to bring to the table, any questions you may have. As always, thanks for watching. Rock on. Peace out. And that's our show. Tune in next time for more sports and metal. With Jason Voorhees and Aaron Savage. Oh, yeah. Got something to say? Hit us up at sportsandmetal0423 at yahoo.com or on Twitter at sportsandmetal.